Good evening, one and all, and welcome to the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next uh, two hours, I'm going to be your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. The X-Zone is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until midnight right here from our studios in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, on Classic 1220 and streamed worldwide on classic1220.ca. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, it's very simple, exxon at classic1220.ca. My first guest tonight, Exxon Nation, is a gentleman I have the pleasure of calling a good friend. His name is Larry Lawson. He is a former police officer, police detective, who has now entered the full-time realm of paranormal investigations after his retirement. Joining me from Vero Beach, Florida, is Larry Lawson. Larry, great having you back here, my friend. Well, it's great to be here, Rob. Thank you very much for having me. Now, first of all, congratulations on your new book. Thank you. Thank you. Really excited about it. And the name of the book is Haunted Indian River County. And I'll just uh, let our listeners know what it's about. Indian River County is an idyllic vacation spot on Florida's east coast, not far from Cape Canaveral, known as part of the famed uh, Treasure Coast. Many are unaware of the deep and fascinating history this area played in the development of the Sunshine State. Almost lost among its visitors and residents are the chilling stories of the hauntings that accompany this rich history. It is here where a na man named Waldo still looks after his uh, family's property six decades after his death. Wow, talk about a eager worker. Uh, or a retired preacher is seen digging up his hidden treasure days after he died. Now, if you'd like to get your copy of Haunted Indian River County, it's available on Amazon. Larry, um, for the listeners who may not have had the pleasure of hearing you in the past or listen to your own show at paranormalstakeout.org, tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, as you said, I'm a retired police officer. I spent about 40 years on the job. I uh, got my start in the Dade County Jail in Miami, where actually I had my, my first paranormal experience. Um, spent many years as an investigator for the state attorney's office, prosecutor's office, detective, uh, sergeant, um, Patrol officer did just about everything, including running. I was uh, the director of the police academy for this region of Florida for a number of years also. Uh, during this time is where I really began to decide to, that I wanted to figure out what this 
this mystery, what this phenomenon was we call the paranormal. So began investigating that about 2011, 2010, 2011, right in that area. Now, Larry, tell us about your book, Haunted in Indian River County. Yeah, it was, um, I'll tell you, Rob, it was the result of just the stuff that we were working on here. Mm -hmm. uh, we began, as I said, investigating. We created a group called uh, the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation uh, after an event my son and I had at, in St. Augustine, which is just a few hours north of us. And uh, from that, we, we created a group called the Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation. We began to investigate. We became connected with um, the town of Felsmere, which is in the northwest corner of Indian River County, where Vero Beach is also located. And we began to have just all kinds of experiences there. Uh, our group began to expand and investigate all areas in the county. And then, well, what the book is, is basically a discussion of the history, the rich history of the Treasure Coast, the legends that are attached to this history, and also a lot of the things that uh, my own group uh, uncovered over the years. How haunted is the haunted India River County, Larry? And, and what kind of investigations have you and your group conducted there? Um, well, it's... <laughs> It's like anywhere else, and if you if you look at the theory of what paranormal investigation is, and Rob, I, I gotta couch everything I say was it is all theory. Nobody knows mm. what this phenomenon is, so I want to couch everything with that statement. Um, so we've been investigating here since that time. Uh, the types of investigations we do, we we do a lot of historical buildings we do a lot of uh, historical spots ba uh, battlefields things like that uh, we don't do a lot of homes uh, that's not what we're about we will if if the need arises somebody just absolutely needs some help but most of our work is done in historical buildings and historical uh, areas and landmarks so it seemed that you and your group are more historian orientated than paranormal investigative well i i don't think you can have have one without the other okay. really but yes we we do focus a lot on the history because let's face it if you don't have a love for history if you don't embrace the history the paranormal doesn't mean anything because if you're investigating mm -hmm. spirits ghosts you ain't talking to anybody that's here right now it's always in the past so understanding your history opens the door to uh to the others Larry, what can you tell me more about the retired preacher who was seen digging up his uh, hidden treasure days after he died? One of my favorite stories. Um, his name was Thomas New. He was a retired preacher from the Detroit area, actually. Came down here, oh, late in the uh, uh, 19th century. Uh, he found out about the San Sebastian or St. Sebastian area, which is in the northern part of Indian River County, just north of Vero. He came down here, and he... he wanted to make this land almost like a, a paradise set up a post office and because his last name was new and he needed a name for the uh, the post office that's how a lot of towns were named it became known as new haven it had been known prior to that as san sebastian from the spanish that had been here uh, centuries before wow. um and but he changed it to new haven and he uh, that was about 1893 1892 and uh, he lasted about a year because after he opened the post office, he got accused of doing some unsavory things. It ranged from selling booze, alcohol out of the post office to getting into other people's mail. Either way, 
Reverend New got tossed out. Now, he still stayed in the area, and he, uh, I guess, not a whole lot talked about how he was felt after he was kicked out of being the postmaster. I might add, after that, it was the town was returned back to the name of San Sebastian or Sebastian. But he hung around in the area, and it was around uh, a few years later, um, some boys saw him on an island. Now, I, I got to back up a little bit to tell you that for years, people in the area were convinced that Reverend New had found some of the treasure from the famed 1715 fleet that sank off our shores. Now, the 1715 fleet was the Spanish treasure fleet that sank, and that's what gave us our name, the Treasure Coast. So people believed that he'd actually found a lot of these treasures, but he could, they could never prove it. He, kept, he was very secretive. He became very, very secluded. Well, one day around the turn of the century, um, two boys were out clamming on the island. Uh, there's a couple different versions of it. Some say they were in a boat. Some say they were actually on the barrier island. But they were looking at this island in the Indian River, the, the lagoon. And they saw the pastor out there digging. They got excited. They ran home, told mom and dad, hey, we saw Pastor River New out there. He was digging up his treasure. We found him. No, you didn't. Yeah, we did. We saw them. We just saw him out there. No, you didn't. Yeah, mom dad we did and of course i'm taking literary license with the the sure. conversation but that's how it went and finally the the parents said to the boys it wasn't him he's been in the at the parks home for the last several days and he's near death in fact he had actually died oh my at gosh that point. so and that's one of those legends that have been passed over mm -hmm. the years now the island is known as preacher's island people have looked for years on that island for the treasure have found nothing. So were the boys imagining things? One can only speculate. Mm. That's a real ghost story if I've ever heard one. Uh, and what about Waldo, the man named Waldo, who still looks after his family and property six decades after his death? Now, this guy's, this guy's a workaholic. Well, he was, and he, was, um, he loved Vero Beach. Waldo Sexton actually came to the Vero Beach area from Indiana. He was a graduate of Purdue University, had a, received a degree in animal husbandry or something along those lines. Uh, the actual degree escapes me. And, uh, but what he was really, really good at, Rob, was as a salesman. The man could literally, if you excuse the old term, sell ice to an Eskimo. And he ended up in Vero Beach because he was working for a farm implement company and he was selling augers, you know, the big augers that the right. farmers would use to turn dirt. Yeah. And he came down here and he got down here and he um, found that the auger was broken. And this was about 1914, 19, about 1913, 1914. And you couldn't just call up Amazon and have it delivered by drone the next day. So <laughs> he had to literally teletype back up to Indiana and have another auger sent down via the train. While he waited the weeks, he stayed in the only hotel in town, the Sleepy Eyed Lodge, fell in love with a girl named Elsbeth, fell in love with Vero Beach, decided he never wanted to stay, quit his job, got licenses to sell citrus and cattle and real estate, the whole nine yards. And what Waldo began, became was the guy that put the growing new town of Vero and then later Vero Beach on the map. And he built buildings, he built uh, churches, he built restaurants. He's best known for building the Driftwood Inn, which originally started out as his family's beach house and he turned it into a resort. And I can only speculate, but I'm gonna guess it's because he realized he could make some money doing it. But 
his love for Vero stayed and he helped this town grow. He, um, he built a place called the McKee Botanical Jungle Garden back in the day with a, another guy named Arthur McKee. And uh, that place became interesting because Johnny Weismuller filmed two of his old Tarzan movies in there. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> so, so this is just a guy that continued to build in this town. His family is still here. They, um, they're an important part of our community. And, and Walt is really what put us on the map, the things that he built, the things that he did. Very gregarious, outgoing guy. Um, and uh, when he died in 1967, it left a, bi a big hole in the town. And it's it, it's still felt. Uh, so this is a guy that has just stayed. Now, how do we know he's still... Uh, oh, we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger here, Larry, because I have to take my first break. Please stand by. No, Exo no Nation, our guest this hour is Larry Lawson. He is the host of... Paranormal Stakeout on the Exxon Broadcast Network. You can visit their website at www.paranormalstakeout.org. And he's also the author of a brand new book that's out. And uh, having knowing Larry all these years, it's going to be a great success. The name of the book is Haunted Indian River County. It's available on Amazon. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I'm Rob McConnell, and you're listening to us on your hometown radio, Classic 1220, and streamed around the world on Classic1220.ca. My guest this hour is Larry Lawson, a retired police officer, now paranormal investigator, and brand new author. The name of his new book is entitled Haunted Indian River County, and it's available on Amazon. And if you'd like to listen to some of Larry's great shows, they're available at www.paranormalstakeout.com. .org. All right, so let's get back to that cliffhanger, buddy. Okay, back to Waldo. Wal uh, hey, before we get that, is that where the game Where's Waldo comes from? Uh, you know, if I had a nickel, Rob, for every time I heard that one, I wouldn't need to write a book or do anything else. I'd be rich. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> no, it's n nothing related to Where's Waldo. Okay. So, um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I Waldo, couldn't help that. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> Waldo, um, as I said, passed in 1967. Uh -huh. uh, they had a day here in, in, in uh, Bureau Beach Forum. It was in 1958. They called it Waldo Sexton Day. They uh, they named Sexton's Plaza out of, after him, which was an area he built uh, for people to come over from the mainland and just hang out on the beach. He built Waldo's Mountain, which... Uh, it has a whole inter another set of interesting stories. As I said, he built the driftwood, and he's still being seen in a number of these places. He loves to hang out at uh, the Driftwood Inn or the Driftwood Resort, rather, which, as I mentioned before the break, uh, was started off as his family's beach house, but mm -hmm. then it grew into a resort, and now it's basically what most people know Waldo for. But his estate, which still stands off of uh, 12th Street between 43rd Avenue and 58th Avenue here in Vero Beach, it's now a wedding venue. His home is still there. Um, he's been seen there by family members. 
Uh, he's been seen in the uh, Ocean Grill restaurant, which he built from began life as a hot dog stand in what is now Sexton's Plaza. He likes to hang out there. So he keeps an eye on a lot of things here in Vero Beach, and he doesn't mind letting folks know he's still around. And explanation, if you've never been down to St. Sebastian, Felsmere, or Vero, or anywhere down that part of Florida, they are the nicest people. It is, you'll have a great time, I guarantee you. Plus, you'll be able to take Larry's uh, haunted tour. You know, ah, so, yeah. And you know how I just squeezed that through there, Larry? That was good. Not bad at all. Okay. So come on down, folks. We'd love to take you on a tour because the tours are just, uh, they're not meant to scare. They're meant to inform folks about, the once again, the rich history of this area and share with you the legends and what my uh, my own crew has uh, uncovered over the years. So, Where, in your opinion, Larry, is the most haunted place that you and your crew have ever gone? Never gone. Wow. That, yeah. that's That's a good one. I got to say, Rob, the old school in Felsmere, uh, which is that little town in the northwest part of the county, at, that place has produced things we cannot explain. The, the Marsh Landing restaurant, the old school. Uh, Waldo's, Waldo's Homestead has also produced some very, very interesting pieces of evidence that we're, we're still trying to figure out some of it. Um, so if I had to pick two most haunted spots in the area. I got to say it's a toss up between Felsmere as a whole and the uh, Sexton, the Sexton homestead on 12th street here in Vero. You, you had to mention that restaurant, didn't you? Yes. They have the best food. <laughs> it's, it's a typical old, uh, that building that was, that it's in was actually the Felsmere land corporation. Uh, Felsmere, when during the third Florida land boom in the early 20s, they built this as the headquarters uh, for the uh, company, but it went belly up in a couple of years because the economy went bad. And then it became a bunch of other things, which included City Hall and the police station for a while. And then in uh, about 1999, Fran Adams, who one of our was one of our city uh, county commissioners, bought it and turned it into the Marsh Landing restaurant and uh, saved the building because otherwise it would have been destroyed and that would have been a crying shame because it's a piece of history. And they do. They sell great food. They have great food there and it's all old Florida. And uh, you get to talk to some people in the past on occasion. L Larry, do you, do you and your team still go to the Marsh Landing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, 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 um, we go out there. If we have some of our meetings there, uh, we'll be doing a, a release day book signing at the marsh uh, because it's such a linchpin for all that we've done in the area on March 25th when the, the physical copy of the book is released. Um, so yeah, we're still out there quite a bit and still have a great relationship uh, with the folks out there. Exonation, my guest this hour is Larry Lawson and he is the author of a new book that's coming out in March entitled Haunted Indian River County. And uh, Larry's website is www paranormalstakeout.org that is for his radio tv show larry what is the uh website for your team uh, uh you you can check out our website at indianriverhauntings.com or paranormalfbi.com we'll get both get you to the same spot and you can also find us on facebook at indian river hauntings which is the uh 
part of our organization that we do the tours and things. Um, so you can find that in Facebook and uh, Florida Bureau of Paranormal Investigation also on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel that's uh, located at the at sign Indian River Hauntings 2341. When you go out on your tours, mm-hmm. um, how many people would you say go there with the with the preconceived idea that they're going to see something or hear something that is mm. that they that in their own mind they can you know they can say oh, okay I, I heard something or seen something it's got to be paranormal. It's interesting. I get half folks are are paranormal enthusiasts that mm-hmm. are hoping to see something. Some folks just want to hear the history. Some folks are being dragged there because their wife wanted to go and uh, <laughs> made, made him come along. So I get an interesting mix of all of them. But what I, what I really try to do is give folks a flavor of what the, what the area is. See, folks look at Florida. People look at Florida as sunny beaches, citrus fruit, Disney World. They don't realize the deep, deep history of this place. We're a fairly new state. I mean, we didn't even become a state till 1845, almost 100 years after, you know, the the uh, in the Declaration of Independence, 80 years anyway. And and the things that happened here really helped shape the entire country. The Spaniards were here in the 1500s, for for example, and they themselves brought a lot of culture to the state of Florida, or what is now the state of Florida. Um, so that's what I try to relate to folks. Now, along with that, we talk about the legends, such as the uh, Forever New on Preacher's Island, uh, Waldo Sexton showing up at the the resort on occasion. And like I said, some of the stuff our own team has found at, at places. So we try to make it a good mixture. And what we end up many times getting are folks saying, you know, I, I didn't know that. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, that makes sense. My biggest thrill is when I get somebody that is local. They have grown up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, their families from here. And after the tour, they said, I never knew that. Wow. That's, that's when I feel like I've succeeded. <laughs> so how long does your tour usually take, Larry? Somebody was to drive down on their way to Miami Beach and they've heard our, our interview tonight and they check mm-hmm. on their Google and they say, oh, geez, uh, going down 90, it's not far from there. So whoop, off they go and uh, check with you online to see if there's any any openings. They get out to mm-hmm. the tour. And how long does it take? We usually, it usually takes about two, sometimes two and a half hours a lot. Depends on the group because I'll, I'll get some folks that just uh, want to get in and get out. And I get some folks that just have lots and lots of questions. They'll ask everything from uh, questions about the history of the county. And then they may want to discuss their thoughts on what this topic of the paranormal is. So, and, and we'll, we'll bring some of the stuff that we use on our investigations and, and uh, show them how to use it, show them how it works and what it really means. So it, it takes about uh, anywhere from two to two and a half hours, we'll say. So we and, need, uh, I'm sorry. We do it privately too. So, I mean, even if it's not scheduled, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll still make arrangements for folks just coming through. So we, we do that a lot. Larry, how would you explain the paranormal to someone who has no idea what it, what it is? Or they have a vague idea, but they're not sure. 
Well, the first thing I'd ask them is, what is their impression of it? What do they feel it is? And then I get a whole myriad of answers. I mean, anything from uh, it's in their head to it's the energy from those that went before. And my answer would be, it could be any of it. We don't know. Uh, one of the mantras, and you've heard me say this a million times, we don't know what this phenomenon is. We do not know what causes it. The only thing I can tell you, as if I'm talking to the audience, is um, we, we don't have the answers yet, but for generations, thousands of years, people from every socioeconomic level, every culture, have experienced something. Mm -hmm. Everybody cannot be crazy. There's got to be something to it. So what is the answers to what it is? That's what we're trying to find out. Is it... Is it somebody, is it the essence of those that passed before us coming back? Is it that issue with dimensions that is uh, part of Einstein's general theory of relativity and those dim uh, dimensions that sit right next to each other may be crossing over? Is it our own, is it the power of our own brain? Because we don't really understand the depth of our own brain yet. We don't understand everything that it can do. Uh, and, and so that's how I explain it. You you've got to make up your mind what you think it is but more importantly you need to if you really want to explore you've got to research you've got to do things to try and find the answers how close well, in your opinion are we to finding those answers larry not in my lifetime at this point i don't know i don't think we're much farther along than we were 15 20 years ago i do think that the it is not quite the taboo subject it was mm -hmm. for example when i first got into law enforcement and rob is cops cops uh, and firefighters paramedics er docs and nurses we all so many of us have experienced things but back in the old days you didn't dare discuss it no because if because if i had said something my lieutenant would have sent me to a, a psych exam fit for duty exam <laughs> But in the last 20 years, it's become more socially acceptable, for lack of a better word. Okay. And people now talk about it a whole lot more. Um, so uh, I think I'm kind of beating around the bush to your question. All right. Uh, I'm, going to, give, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to think of the answer. ExoNation, Larry Lawson, my good friend, is with us tonight. Larry is the host of Paranormal Stakeout on the Exxon Broadcast Network. You can visit his website at paranormalstakeout.org and he's also the author of a new book that is going to be released in March Haunted Indian River County what gives Larry credibility when it comes to investigating the paranormal exonation is he is a former police detective he knows what he sees he knows what he hears and you know what he knows how to handle the evidence that they find which in my opinion is one of the most important parts so larry and i will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the exxon on your hometown radio classic 1220 and streamed around the world on classic 1220.ca
Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us on your hometown radio, Classic 1220, and streamed around the world on classic1220.ca. Larry Lawson is with me, a former retired police officer in Florida. He is now, well, he has been for the past number of years, investigating the paranormal. I can't put it any other way, but like I was saying, what gives Larry credibility over a lot, and I mean a lot of paranormal so-called investigators, is that he was a law enforcement investigator. He didn't sit in an armchair, look at the internet and say, oh, I'm, I'm a researcher. Yeah, uh-huh. I know what to do. Yeah, uh-huh. He did it. He paid his dues. And if you'd like to find out more about Larry, he has a great radio show on the Exxon Broadcast Network at www.paranormalstate.org, where all his archive shows are. And you know what? He doesn't charge anybody for it, which I, which I commend him for as well. The name of his book, Haunted Indian River County, and it will be available on Amazon this coming March, March of 2024. All right, Larry, I gave you time. What's the answer? Trust me with the question. Oh, come on. Am I that easy to forget? Humor uh, me. Huh? Humor me. Give me the question again. Hmm. You know, I could go so many ways with that. <laughs> so many ways. I think what I asked you, and I've got there here, I'm backpedaling. What is your explanation of the paranormal? We don't know what it is, that there's something out there that has been cropping up, as I said earlier, in every socioeconomic level, every culture, every people's, everything, for generations, for thousands of years. So it's got to be something, whether it's those that have passed before us coming back mm -hmm. to visit with us, the essence, their, their energy, whether it's dimensions, whether it's the power of our own brain, we don't know. But it's something. And, and and searching for that answer, that's kind of what what my myself and my team's about, searching for that answer. We don't know what it is yet. And I tell everybody, Rob, if anybody says to you they know exactly what it is, they're lying to you or themselves or a little bit of both because nobody knows what this phenomenon is yet. There's a lot of people who are now talking about uh, ghosts being interdimensional. What is your take on that, Larry? When I first heard, I, I'm still not sure to, okay. to the bottom line is. Um, when I first heard it, I really thought it was some folks just trying to rebrand themselves because the, their old shtick just wasn't working anymore. Uh, and I'm still not sure that's not the case. Mm -hmm. However, I think there's some argument when you, when you, when you see, when you, hear some of the scientists talk about uh, things involving quantum mechanics and and, and Einstein's uh, theories of dimensions and the fact that I'm trying to keep an open mind because we don't know what it is I, I'm, I think I'm a little more open to hearing evidence of it than I was 10 years ago Larry, um, during your investigations has your team ever seen the ghost of an animal or heard stories about ghosts of animals? Oh God, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, 
the first time I'd ever heard about that was, it was my mom had told me this story. Uh, her and my sister were staying at a, a place called the Buxton Inn in Ohio. And there's a story of there, there about uh, a cat, a ghost cat. And apparently uh, my, my sister experienced that. It was uh, my sister actually experienced it. And my mom saw it on a windowsill. Now, could this be because it was suggested before? I don't know. I know my sister, my sister is an incredibly sharp woman. I would be shocked personally if just the suggestion would have caused that with her. Um, so I've got to take it with, with some, some uh, ra- rational thought. I, right. I, mean, I believe her is my point. Uh, so our team here, there's a place called the Paradolia uh, Brewery. It's a gentleman named Pete Anderson owns it in Sebastian. There's supposedly a cat in there, and uh, my guys did hear a uh, a bell, like a you know, like bell that you'd find on a cat yeah. a cat's um, collar. Right, right. They heard it, uh, but couldn't find a cat. I, whether or not that was a cat, I don't know, but they did hear it, and I trust those people with my life. All every member of my team are quality individuals, so I and and not prone to getting overly excited and things. So yes, we've heard about that, and there's been legends of of ghost animals. Um, yeah, I guess the headless all, horseman on his horse. Uh, there's a good example. Yeah, okay. Here's a great one. A little okay. bit of history. Okay. Um, there was a there was a famous World War II event called the Dam Buster Raid. Oh um, yes, the, yes, where, yes. I remember that. I get, okay. They they destroyed a, a huge uh, power uh, dam that that uh, provided electricity in the Ruhr Valley. Right. Um, Six one nine squadron flew it. They flew a specially modified uh, an aircraft called a Lancaster. Well, um, the guy that flew that commanded that mission was a guy named Guy Gibson. And to this day, at the at the base where they were flew out of, his dog, his black Labrador, is supposedly still seen. Oh wow! Yeah. So I mean, there's all kinds of stories of stuff like that happening. Uh, and there's some people believe that that animals uh, have souls just like we do, spirits just like mm-hmm. we do, and they come and go. I believe that a hundred percent, because uh, as you know, we lost our our two little uh, fur babies. We lost Maddie and we mm-hmm. lost Nikita. And, and mm-hmm. I, I swear sometimes I can feel Nikita in the room or I will look at a certain spot and I, I don't see anything, but I really believe she's there. And Lola, our, our last little fur baby, will look at the exact same spot where I'm mm-hmm. watching as, as if, all right, we know Nikita's here. That's great. Mm-hmm. Speaking about... Uh, um, Oh my gosh. I had a gentleman on last week, Rick McCallum. He's a former stunt uh, double for um, Chuck Norris. He -hmm. also did work with Clint Eastwood. And he also did work with Leslie Nielsen during the 33 and a Third Gun series. He is now doing ghost tours of Hollywood. And one of the, the main places that he goes is the LAPD Museum that is haunted. I've heard that. Yeah, and I've, I said, well, why is it so haunted, uh, Rick? He said, well, that's where all the evidence has been placed after the court has uh, adjudicated the case. Mm-hmm. So, wow. You know, it's just amazing the, the stories that are out there. And with so many stories, with so many credible people, 
I find it hard to believe that people actually doubt that there's something to this. Well, that's because there's no definitive proof yet, Rob. And and that's that is the quest that many of us are on, not just going out to get the thrill of the right. bump in the night, but actually to find the evidence. Oh. Uh, and you're talking about LAPD. If that's where they're putting the evidence, mm-hmm. there's a thing we like to call attachments. Right. Is there energy attached to this stuff that we don't yet understand? Well, Jack Webb, Jack hmm. Webb is supposed to also haunt the museum. I understand. Or really? The, uh, old Academy. I understand. Dum, da, dum, 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 dum. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. I was just going to say something. I forgot what I was going to say. I know that sounds impossible, but anyway, you're getting as bad as me. Uh, who is this again? No, but Larry, we were talking about animals, and I, I can understand animals because they have what I believe to be a soul, a spirit, mm-hmm. just like humans mm-hmm. do. But mm-hmm. when it comes to, uh, I, I've heard stories here in Niagara where they see soldiers from the War of 1812 in full mm-hmm. dress uniform with rifles. There are stories about uh, people... Uh, animals pulling carriages with mm-hmm. ghosts in them so how all right the people i can understand but what about the material objects the uh, the rifle the uh, for the soldier the the carriage itself from the people who see the carriage how does that materialize well if i had that answer once again i would be sitting on an island all by myself owning it because i would have I would be the richest man in the world. We don't have that answer yet. I don't know. Gettysburg, this is the same way. Oh, yeah. You were talking to... the um, stories of Gettysburg. Who were you talking to a couple of weeks ago on your show? Um, Mark Nesbitt. Mark Nesbitt. You did it. That was a great show. Yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. He's quite a guy. I I can't Uh, believe something so haunted like Gettysburg that that they were saying that they could smell the sulfur from from the gunfire. They've... The, the the apparitions that are seen it's it's just like wow and still people deny it they deny that the paranormal is real and this is where i'm going to put my foot in my mouth and i'm going to suffer for this later on larry but there are billions of people in the world who believe everything that is in the bible and they haven't seen any proof of it and that's that's an excellent point it's 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 stepping out on faith and yeah. and in some ways that's what's happening here. And do not misunderstand me. I'm not equating the Bible to paranormal investigation, please. But but people are have to take a lot of it on faith. And it's also because of what they've experienced. Now, people have experienced miracles. Yes. They've experienced God actually touching their lives. Yeah. Now, can they prove it? Maybe because something happened. Maybe they were miraculously cured mm-hmm. from a disease. So I, that could be tangible. But many times people have things that happen to them that they know is somehow somehow divinely inspired right but they can't prove it and in and and once again i want to couch this by saying i am not comparing paranormal investigations to this but the concept is somewhat the same as the best way for me to put it is people have experiences they know what they've seen but they can't prove it. There's no picture of it. There's no recording of it. Now, you mentioned seeing the the, uh, the War of 1812 mm-hmm. soldiers, and I talked about Gettysburg. How is that happening? That's an interesting debate in the paranormal field right now because oftentimes it's considered to be what we call a residual or non-sentient 
experience. In other words, is it energy that's being just played back on a tape and it just plays? Right. And if that's the case, is there some way, you know, take quartz, for example. Quartz is known to, to harness or hold on to energy. Is something holding on to this energy, this, for lack of a better term, this old videotape of an event that happened, maybe there's a lot of emotion, maybe there's a lot of anger, fear, sadness, whatever, and it's somehow trapped in some sort of material and something triggers it and it plays back real quick. Larry, I've got to take but my then, break. Please stand oh, by. Exonation. Larry Lawson is our special guest. Paranormal Stake, Paranormal Stakeout. Dot org is his website for the radio and TV show. And Larry and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines on your hometown radio, Classic 1220, and streamed worldwide on classic1220.ca. Welcome back, everyone. This is the X. I'm Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. And you're listening to us on your hometown radio, Classic 1220, and streaming classic1220.ca. And of course, that was the uh, TV theme for Get Smart. Uh, Don Adams did a fantastic job on that. And by the way, he was also the voice behind Tennessee Tuxedo. And a little bit of trivia there. Uh, I, I, I used to love it when he used to take off his shoe to make a telephone call. I guess yeah, that was the first. Well, we oh. had hand, we have handheld phones, and it was the foothold phone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I personally like the cone of silence. That was my favorite. <laughs> uh, that was yeah, TV isn't the same way as it used to be, Larry. You know? No, it's not. But I, I, we're I, old farts. Can I say that? Well, you just did. So thank you very much. There goes a fine to the CRTC. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no it's, it's true. You know, I, I remember sitting down with my kids when they were growing up on Saturday morning with cereal and watching all the different funnies, you know, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner, Woody Woodpecker. And I, I, I tried to watch TV a couple of weeks ago with one of my grandchildren, and it was like, you watch this? Hey, Papa, shh. You know, okay. We'll see if Santa Claus is nice to you next year, kid. Oh, uh, you know, keeping into this into the vein of, of media, you know, and what's on TV, is there, in your opinion, a, a, a difference between a paranormal seeker and a paranormal thrill seeker? Oh, that's a great word. I, I, I use the term paranormal thrill seeker quite frequently, and a paranormal seeker is probably a great way to describe the other. And And... I think where you're going with this is the difference between somebody going out for the thrill of the moment yes. as compared to somebody trying to trying to solve this mystery. And yes, there is a difference, but I really hasten to add there's a place for both. Well, Would you jump out of an airplane, Rob? If I had a parachute, sure. I wouldn't. You, you can, unless it's going down, I am not jumping out of a pair of perfectly good airplane. Well, I mean, that's, but why I, do people do it? 
Well, because it's it's a thrill, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I agree with that. Mind you, did you realize that a landing is a for is is a controllable crash? Oh, I've heard that one many oh, yeah. times. Yep. <laughs> but but my point is, mm -hmm. people people do things for the thrill, and that's okay. A lot of things have been discovered. Uh, a lot of things good has happened out of people doing things for the thrill of it. Uh, and and I have no problem with folks that want to go out and hear the bump in the night. Yeah. As long as they understand that's all that's what they're doing. Okay. They're not purporting to be researchers and investigators. You know if what that makes sense. You know what gets my crow? When I hear what? these people call themselves paranormal investigators. Mm -hmm. And I say, Well, where did you learn how to be an investigator? Oh, uh, well, I, I read a couple of books and I you know, I was I was on the internet. Uh, so what do you know about handling the evidence you find? Uh, I, I take pictures of them and I, 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 uh, you know, and it's like, listen, if you want to become an investigator, take a course or learn from an established investigator like my good buddy over here, um, Larry Lawson. Larry, I, I think a lot of people are, are starting to look at the paranormal groups or teams or whatever they want to call themselves not like yours because I, I know you and your team are legitimate but there's a lot of a lot of weirdos out there yeah, and, well, and, there, and there's also a lot of folks that are um, that are, are, are good-hearted about it they're they're uh, they're trying to do they think they're doing the right thing but the biggest problem we have, and this is my opinion only, and there's many folks that disagree with me, that the biggest problem we have is we have no standardization. We have no, there's no training program to get folks ready. I've got an advantage. I'm a detective by trade. That's what I did to yep. interview somebody, to collect the evidence, to store the evidence, to examine the evidence. That just That's just part of my training. A lot of folks don't have that. They don't understand what it means to collect the evidence. Many teams go out there and they snap pictures. They they, they listen to EVPs and they hear something and, and wow, we, we got this. And then they erase it and go next week um, <laughs> to, to the next one. You, you've, not account, you've, you've had fun and okay, that's great. But you haven't done anything with that evidence. You haven't preserved it. You haven't compared it with anything else. There was a... Uh, a an, an, you have to forgive me. I can't remember the name of it now. It was a Panasonic recorder that came out in the 90s, and it suddenly became the rage. DS, DS. Oh, forgive me, folks out there, because most of you can remember what it is. I just it went out of my head. But they they were getting it's, it's called EVPs. It's called a senior it. moment, people. A senior's senior. moment. <laughs> but but it was it, it worked fairly well. I've actually heard some incredible EVPs come out of it. But here's the problem, Rob. You've got no way to take what's on that recorder and put it into some place to store it and save it and preserve it. There's, you can't plug it into a computer. The only thing you can do is hold up another recorder to it and play it into the other recorder, which deletes a lot of the quality. Wow. But you, so therefore, it's useless as a piece of evidentiary mm -hmm. equi uh, collecting equipment. So what is your preference? Is it digital or analog? Uh, I've had I've had luck with both. I don't think it 
I don't think we've figured out why exactly it occurs yet. So mm-hmm. I don't, I, I haven't had a problem with either. I mostly use digital. It's just, that's just the most convenient thing to use today. Uh, I don't think there's been any definitive proof that one is better than the other at this point. Right. And that, that goes back to another issue that we need to develop more equipment and more scientific uh, approaches to collecting the evidence well, uh, once to the get evi- better at it. Once the evidence is collected, is the evidence shared with other uh, organizations or teams? I think that's getting better. Uh, I've talked to some folks on my show as well as other teams, mm-hmm. and most folks are getting much more uh, interested in sharing. How they share differs, um, but they're more interested in sharing than they used to be. I, I equate the sharing of the information to when I was a police officer. And if you ran a crime, you'd, you, or let's say, for example, uh, a suspect, you know, mm-hmm. you'd run the suspect through uh, through the computers down there. I believe yours is uh, NCIS, NCIC? NCIC and FCIC uh, for Florida, but yeah. Uh, okay, and up here in Canada, CPIC. In Quebec, it's uh, a different um, different group. But anyway, the information is, is exchanged, and through the exchange of the information, the case can be built and the arrest can be made if all the evidence is there. And, and the evidence is shared online between mm-hmm. agencies. And why this isn't more uh, used within the field of the paranormal, whether it's UFOs, Sasquatch, uh, lake monsters, or ghosts, it's, it just baffles my mind. In, in my opinion, in my opinion, it's lack of training and understanding what it means to share information. And back in the old days, cops were like that, too. It wasn't really until the 80s that really began to change and folks start, started to share that information a whole lot more. One of the ways I like to describe it is if there, you've got a homicide up in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. And we have a homicide here in Vero Beach. There's going to be some differences in laws. The Queen's Law, for example, in Canada is not applicable in Florida. Uh, uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Now it's the King's Law. I'm sorry. <laughs> forgive forgive my insolence. There. It's, it's all right. I'll tell Donald Trump that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't help that one. Sorry. But, but my point being is, even though there's some differences in procedures and laws, uh-huh. essentially the detectives in St. Catharines are going to investigate that homicide. Yes. Just about the same way we do in Vero. Yeah. And that's where we've got to start getting, in my opinion, in the paranormal field. for, Because that is the only way we're going to be able to share the evidence. Let's say you have a, a, a paranormal event up in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. If if there's no way to share that information, I have something similar happen down here. How the heck am I ever going to know about it? That's right. And a, a lot of that's going to come from training and standardization. I do not suggest everybody has to investigate the same. That's not what I mean. Right. I am not saying that I have the only answers for it because I don't. Well, look at MUFON. MUFON has a database. They have they have field guide investigator uh, lessons. They have mm-hmm. guidelines. They have procedures. And... It's, you know, they're, they're doing a great job about sharing the information with the public as well as their investigators feed each other the information. So if it's working with the UFO scenario, mm-hmm. come on, ghost hunters, get with the, uh, you know, get with the times. 
Well, I think it's getting that. I think it's getting better, Rob. Like I said, I, I preach this gospel often, and I'm hearing more and more groups say, uh, saying uh, the same thing and agreeing. We just got to figure out how to do it. Um, and I think the difference between us and MUFON is MUFON is the maybe not the only centerpiece for the UFO investigative world, but it's probably the best known. There's nothing like that on the ghost side of it, for lack of a better term. Mm. There's there's nothing yet. And whether it's ego, whether it's, you know, I'm not going to share mine with you, I, I, whatever it is, we've got to get to a point where there is some sort of centralized body that at least can offer training, offer suggestions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you find something that's that's working, maybe take it to, through this organization and and get that word out to other other groups because another thing i've noticed too is most people mean well there's 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 the negatives out there but most groups in a sense mean well and if yes. you show them a better way to do it many times they'll listen but there's no way to share it you know couldn't couldn't somebody do a blog or an online online database just like mufon does like uh, the technology is available. Why isn't it being done? Not sure. There's people that have tried it. I even started oh. to try it myself and just couldn't get enough folks interested really, yeah. in doing it. Hey, Larry, the um, time has come where I must say so long for, to you for now, oh, my friend. Wow. But listen, I'd Go love to have book. you back on in the very near future because I wanted to talk to you about how artificial intelligence is going to affect the paranormal investigative scene. And some wow, other other topics. Topic. So, Larry, I want to thank you so much for being on the show tonight. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like to listen to Larry Lawson's radio show, Paranormal Stakeout, it's available at paranormalstakeout.org. And um, again, my thanks. And don't forget Larry's new book, Haunted Indian River County. I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue with Hour 2 here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. 